Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Welcome, welcome Harbor Church. What's up, guys? How are we doing? I want to hear you. I want to hear that you're awake, that you're with me. Man, I'm so glad you're here. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or you're listening to this on the podcast or you're here and you're visiting, this is your first time in church, your first time in a long time, um, or you've been here a, a hundred times, welcome. My name is Josh. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at uh, Harbor Church, and man, I'm thrilled that we get to come together and just just hear from God. And so thank you for joining. Thanks for being a part of it. Um, I am not going to be preaching to you today. Um, I'm excited because as much as I love to preach and I do love to preach, I also love to get preached to and I like to be filled up as well. And I need that as much as you do. And I like having uh, the, the, the word preached over me. And I like you guys getting to hear from other people as well. And we're blessed. We've got Pastor Ron. We've got John, we got other men that have been able to bring the word here at Harbor, but um, every once in a while we get to hear from a guest speaker, and that's what we're going to do today. And this weekend, um, I've invited a very special guest to come. Some of you have met him, but most of you have not. And uh, he's not just a, a friend of Harbor. He is a key piece in the life of Harbor Church. Um, you'd have to go to some of the classes that we do in our, our Membership 101 and like Inside Harbor, those kind of stuff, to hear more of these stories, but... Uh, in, a short, in, a, in a short little piece, let me tell you this. The person that's speaking to us tonight is a man named Chuck Groover. And Chuck is uh, Pastor Chuck from uh, Victory Baptist Church down in, in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. And um, in Victory Church in Tennessee, uh, they didn't know anything about Harbor. They didn't know anything about Josh Adams. But uh, five years ago, myself and about four or five of the people uh, from Harbor that made up all of Harbor Church, pretty much. <laughs> we went up to Boston to just talk about what God might be doing and how we wanted to start a church and what we thought Harbor could be. And I didn't know what was going to come of it. I didn't know if anybody would take us serious. I didn't know if anybody would pray for us. They said, maybe there's somebody that might support your church. And they, maybe they'll give you $100 a month. And I was like, man, that's, that would double what we've got. <laughs> so like, I'll take it. You know, like, I mean, like, we we're just trying to get something started. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I met Pastor Chuck at, at this, uh, I, this Catch the Vision tour where they were going to come, and, uh, and these pastors were just trying to encourage young church planners. And I just talked to this, this group of pastors about Cape Cod and what God had called Kaylee and I to do to plan a church. And, and man, we were smiles and completely oblivious to all the things that we're about to step into. And they were encouraging. And, and Pastor Chuck, this guy I didn't really know from Tennessee, said, hey, let's connect later. I just want to I want to talk to you more, and I didn't know what that meant, but we talked, and he said, I want to challenge my church to, to support you guys to come alongside you, and I was like, well, that's cool. We didn't know each other, and I didn't know what that meant, um, but I, our little church was just a few people, and we, after we got done with, with having services, we turned on the TV, and we watched their live cast of their church in Tennessee, and we gathered around the TV, and I thought it might be like a 10-second blurb. Like, I told our people, I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to say, but he said he might say something. And I thought he'd be like, oh, by the way, Victory, we're going to pray for the Harbor Church in, in Massachusetts. Okay, pray for them. He didn't. He talked about Harbor Church and what God was doing on Cape Cod and what God was doing in his heart. And he cast vision to his church for what felt like five hours. It was probably 20 minutes, but he talked about 
man, Harbor Church and, and what God was doing. He had this guy named Josh Adams that he had met. And I was like, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. I mean, I was so excited. I was so new to it. And, and I still didn't know what that meant. I just knew that he was challenging his church to love us. And, and we were meeting, guys, by the time we went there, we were meeting over at Cape Cod Beer, over, uh, not at Cape Cod Beer, but right next to it, a little storefront where the brewery is. That would have been awesome services. Um, we were meeting over there near the brewery and just a, in a, like a little storefront that's the size of like the drum set. That's like was our church back then. And, and um, his church said, hey, we're going to give you some money to get started on a building. We want you to get into a building. And I had no aspirations of getting to a building. But this pet store that we're in right now had come available. And we said, hey, we're going to. You know, like, like this is how much it would cost. It's a lot of money. We'd never get close to it. But I just threw it out there as a, an example of where things are at. And I was planning on going back to renting a, a, a tiny little space. He led his church to give and not just give a little bit. They gave. They gave from their missions budget. They opened up their pockets. They took several offerings. And their church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, sent a baby church, Harbor Church, $188,000 as a down payment for this building. Guys, that's, that is a mirror. I have, I've been in church my whole life. I have never heard of that happening. I have never heard of that happening. And it wasn't, it, I don't say that because I, I know Pastor Chuck probably doesn't even want me to embarrass him like that because it, it was never about the money. It was always about when I would talk to him, he said, man, I, I, I think God's going to do something. So I believe God's going to do something through Harbor. And when this building fell through and we weren't able to get it, I thought he was going to take the money back. <laughs> I was like, okay, sorry, I don't need the money. The building got sold. And he goes, no, he goes, keep it. God's going to do something in and through Harbor. God will open something else up. And the building that was sold miraculously came available again later, and now we're sitting in it. And then Pastor Chuck not only did that, but their church continually supported us year after year. They sent eight different missions teams to come up and work on this building. I mean, they, they were here for the teardown, the construction. Their, their teens came. They laid the carpet down. That's all Mount Juliet, Tennessee. That's all victory for Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Th those guys came. I knew those guys better than I knew half my family members. I spent so much time with them over those years. And, man, their church is such a huge part. And that's, I can only share that much because I don't want to take any more time away from them. I asked him to come and speak to us, come and bless us this weekend. Um, God's put a word on his heart. And um, if nothing else, you get to meet somebody that was a huge part of Harbor Church taking some steps to, to really get up and going. And, Guys, it was because Pastor Chuck believed in me when a lot of people didn't. And to have people in your life that say, man, I see something in you. God's going to do something through you. There is nothing as powerful as that. And when you feel the Holy Spirit moving you and, you, and God says, hey, go love that person, you go love them because you don't know what that person's going to do, and you might be the catalyst that changes lives in them that then allows more lives to be changed. And that's what Pastor Chuck and his wife, Sybil, have meant to Kaylee and I and what their church has meant. And they're here this weekend, and they're loving on us. And they just kind of wanted to come and see uh, how, how Harbor's doing and where we're going and to bless us. And so they're going to be a part of our men's breakfast. They're going to be at the, the, the ladies' uh, connect group. And they're going to be here all weekend. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an awesome time. I want you to get to know them. But more than anything, I want you to hear from them. And I want you to hear what God's put on his heart. And uh, I want you, Harbor Church, to help me welcome a very special friend and somebody who's been huge to Harbor to the stage as he comes and blesses us. Pastor Chuck. Love you. 
Well, hello, Harbor. Glory to God. I didn't think I was ever going to get back here. They kept telling me, you can't fly up there. You can't go up there. You've got to wear this. You've got to do that. But God opened the door, and here we are. And, uh, you know, I was so thankful that I was able to be here the first Sunday that we gathered in this building. And what a glorious day that was. Now, some of you may not remember that, but I remember it extremely well, and I am so grateful. I want to say something tonight. I love the songs that were selected for this evening because I want you to recognize the fact that we are here because the king is enthroned. The offering that came as a result of a meeting on the harbor at Fort Independence was all orchestrated long before Chuck Groover knew that he was going to get on a plane and fly to Boston in 2015. God had that planned. You want to know why? Because the king is enthroned. And we need to praise him and we need to honor him and we need to continue to recognize that this isn't about what's happening in Tennessee. It's not about what's happening on Cape Cod. It's about what God is doing in the hearts of his people. You want to know why that is? Because there are literally hundreds and thousands and even millions of people walking on this earth that have never heard the name Jesus. You're asking, why in the world would a church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee send anything to a little group of people in Massachusetts? Because the money belongs to him, not to us. Right? I love that first song. Tell the devil not today. The devil is a liar. Can you say that? The devil is a liar. The devil planted in my brother's heart a discouragement. When he walked in and they said, I'm sorry, the building is sold. I remember the call as if it were yesterday. Josh was so downhearted. I said, brother, if that's not where it is, God's got something better. Listen, we need to recognize that no's in this world are opportunities for God to create a yes, a bigger, a better yes for us. We live in a world that wants to keep us down. We live in a world that says unless we can become something, will never be recognized for anything. We've allowed ourselves to buy into an understanding that in order for us to build up the esteem, the self-esteem in the lives of the little kids, that when they are a part of something, whether they compete or not, we need to give them all a trophy. Why? 
because we think that they must understand that in order to be recognized for who they are, they must become something. Something that the world will recognize. Something that the world will say, hey, you're great. What we're saying to them is, and unless you earn a trophy that you can lay down before us, unless you receive a trophy that you can show us, you are a nobody. I want to say something to all of us tonight. That second song is where it's at. It's all about His grace. Because let me tell you, He's not asking you to bring a trophy and lay it down. You are the trophy. You are the trophy. The Lord Jesus looked at you and he looked at the Father and he said, Father, there are nobody but because of your love for them, they're about to become somebody. Right? I want us to allow God to speak to us tonight. I'm going to read just three verses. And I want to share some thoughts with you this evening. I want you to see the difference between being a disciple of Christ and becoming a disciple of Christ. I hear a lot of talk about we need to become a disciple of Christ. Let me say to all of us this evening, God has never asked you, He never asked me to become a disciple. He asked me, to trust his son Jesus. You see, my job is not to become a disciple. My job, my calling is to be faithful to a Savior that said, if you will come, I will give you rest. If you will call upon my name, you will be saved. If you will come to me, I will in no wise, in no way will I cast you out. It's an invitation. Listen to what God says as he speaks through the Apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter 2 a passage that may be familiar to many of you. It's one that I've preached on many times over the years. It's one that I continue to return to because it speaks the truth, God's truth, that is always true. It applies to all people, every person. Hear what God says, beginning at verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we live in a world that would have us to become something that we cannot become. But tonight, I'm reminded in your word that with a total surrender, you will declare me to be all that I could ever be in your love. And I pray tonight that we will be faithful to you. Father, someone here tonight needs to allow you to speak into their heart a truth that will transform them forevermore. Speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point I want you to see tonight is that being a disciple of Christ demands God's gift of grace. Being a disciple of Christ demands God's gift of grace. There are a lot of folks that have come to believe that until they become good enough, until they get rid of things in their lives, until they shred their lives of some things and shed some things in their lives, that they're never going to be able to be good enough to come to the Lord. Here's what I want you to understand tonight as a result of God's gift of grace to you. I want you to understand tonight that in Christ, you have been declared worthy of an invitation. His invitation for you to come. His invitation to know that you in Christ are accepted by the Father who is in heaven. Now the evil one, the old devil, he would like to tell you that you're not. He'd like to convince you that you'll never be good enough. That you can never become what God wants you to be. I want you to understand tonight that Paul recognized that a dead person cannot work anything. A dead person cannot become anything. And the scripture here, if you read the verses beginning at verse 1, tell us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But as a result of God's great love for us, through Christ, He has made us alive. And he's inviting us to come. He's not concerned that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Your trespasses and sin never caused him to pause for a moment. He said, yes, yes, yes. And he sent Jesus Christ. And he sent Jesus Christ so that you would know that not only does his living word speak to us and say, if you will come, you will find rest. But Jesus came so that we would all know everything that he spoke, every uh, teaching that he taught, it was all about us coming to know him with an invitation. You will not be turned away. Someone in your past has told you you'll never amount to anything. And you've held on to that. And you've lived under that dark cloud. And you've lived under that lie long enough. I'm asking you tonight to lay it right here at this altar. 
and understand that as a result of God's grace given to you, you have received an invitation. And that invitation says that if you will come, you will be accepted. As a result of Christ, you are worthy of redemption. You are worthy of His forgiveness. You say, oh, Brother Chuck, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You're right, I don't. And I thank God you don't know where I've been and what I've done. But what I do know is that I found forgiveness in that moment when I called out to the Lord Jesus. And it wasn't because of what I was becoming It was a result of His grace, His gift of grace extended to me. And I found forgiveness. And you want to know more than that? Here's what the rest of the story is. The scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross, He died to cover all of my sins. So every sin in my past, every sin in this moment, every sin that is to happen between now and the moment that He takes me by the hand and leads me home, is forgiven. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and to restore us to righteousness. Let me just say this. His invitation is sufficient to cover any and all your sins. No matter how bad you think you've been, no matter how bad you think you are, the Lord Jesus is better. He is able. He is willing. In Christ, you have been declared worthy of a heritage. As a result of God's grace, that heritage is that you would become a child of the King. I love it. John 1, 12. All who believe, even on His name, He gave the right, the authority, the power to become a child of God. Listen, you've got a heritage. In Christ, as a result of His great grace, I don't care what the big liar has been telling you. You are somebody in Christ. You have a heritage. Paul writes to us in the book of Romans, and he says to us that we have become joint heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? Does does everyone know what that means tonight? Here's what I want us to understand. Here's what it means. That every promise that the Father, who is the creator of the universe, the author of your life, who breathed the breath of life into you, every promise that he made to his son, the perfect lamb of God, he now has sealed and promised to you. Right? Why? Not because you're becoming something but because of God's grace extended to you. You have a heritage. In Christ and God's grace, you are worthy of an entrance. (laughs) Man, I love this one. There's coming a moment when I'm going to leave this world. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen before Jesus returns or not, but here's what I do know. That when this body and this life cannot go any further, the Lord's going to return whether he returns for all of y'all or not. Excuse my Tennessee accent. 
Because the Bible says he's going to take me by the hand and he's going to lead me to a new house that he's prepared just for me. John 14, go home and read it. Have you ever heard this one? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen to me. There's coming a day when I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow. Do you realize that the scripture says that it's only a shadow because for those who are in the safe hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, that shadow is going to disappear because the Lord Jesus is going to shine and all is going to be life. Amen? Why? Because of His grace, I have an interest, an entrance. And I love this. When the Lord Jesus takes me by the hand and He leads me there before the Father, and when I'm there and I'm going to stand before the Holy Father of all of the universe, the Creator of all things, Almighty God, Jehovah, Yahweh God, I'm not going to be shaky in my boots. You want to know why? Because my great high priest, the Lord Jesus, is going to step up and he's going to say, Father, this one is with me. <laughs> right? That's the process. That is, that is the gift of God's grace for us. When my kids were young, they had friends. But for those friends to get into my house, they had to have an introduction, right? So my son would bring a friend over. Dad, this is so-and-so. Is it okay if he comes in? When I get to heaven, my Savior, Jesus, is going to say, Father, this is Chuck. His time, up down, his time down there is up. His time here is now ready to begin. Wow. And before you get there, I want you to go home and I want you to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And this is what it says. So that you might... Approach his throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, with authority, knowing that as a result of your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will receive his grace at the appointed moment, at the right time. <laughs> Josh thought they had lost this building. The Lord said, no, Josh, sit down, boy. Let me show you what my grace is. And it's just been one of many lessons that my brother has been learning as he has walked with you and led you as he has sought the leadership of the Lord and as he has knocked on the door of the throne of grace. Lord, we need you. We need your grace. And as a result of God's grace and a result of Christ in your life, you're worthy of a promise. 
a promise that is everlasting and eternal. (laughs) Aren't you glad for that? Let me tell you something. Quite honestly, I'd do anything for that guy right there. But I cannot promise him what God has promised him. It's been well over a year since I've been here. I've longed to be here just for a moment of fellowship with you. And promise as I might that I'm coming, Josh. I promise you, I'm coming. The Lord God has made this promise to Josh and to you. I will never leave nor forsake you. And though I've not been here, I've not been afraid. I've not fretted for Josh because I know that the Heavenly Father has been with him because he belongs to the Father. Right? Amen. Hey, it's the gift of God's grace that allows us to be declared to be a disciple of Christ. I love this. John Stott writing about these two, these three verses says, Indeed, the major emphasis of this whole paragraph is that what prompted God to act on our behalf was not something in us, some supposed merit on our part, but something that was inside of Him. I'm grateful for that. Because here's what I know. As a result of God's great love, His mercy, His grace, and His kindness, He extends that to everyone. And you could never do that. And I have to, I have to confess tonight, I would never do that either. But God has done that. And He says, if you will come, You'll receive my grace. John Stock goes on to say, We were dead and helpless to save ourselves, so only mercy could reach us. For mercy is love for the down and out. We were under God's wrath, so only love could triumph over wrath. We deserved nothing at God's hand but judgment on account of our trespasses and sin. So only grace could rescue us from what we deserve. For grace is undeserved favor, God's undeserved favor. Why then did God act? Out of His sheer mercy, love, grace, and kindness for you. It's God's gift. You can't earn it. It's God's gift. In God's mercy, love, grace, and kindness. Listen to this. Who I am 
is not who I was. Right? Here's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. We talked about transformation tonight in the singing. Let me just say something to us. When God speaks into our lives and when God speaks to us, He wants us to understand He's not asking you to become anything for Him. He is asking you to place your life under His grace so that you can receive His mercy, know His love, and experience His kindness. So that you can stand and say, as a result of the Lord Jesus, who I am, who, excuse me, who I was, is not who I am. So, being a disciple of Christ then directs God's grace in our lives. How important is that? For God's grace applied to your life is not a behavioral modification. I believe Josh said something about this a few weeks ago about behavioral modification. What I want us all to understand is this. God's not asking you to believe in all the things that we hear on television. If you'll buy this, let me just tell you, if you use this, you're going to become whatever it is. Here's what I want to say about that. There are some of you that look at your neighbor's lawn and you say, boy, their lawn sure is green. I wish I had their lawn. And when you find out what the secret is, what you determine is that once it gets good and green, now you've got to mow it. Right? Right? There are a lot of things that people are wishing for that they have no idea what they're wishing for. They don't see what the unintended consequences are. Right? Here's what I want us to think about for a few more moments. <laughs> the idea of, a com- of becoming, at the end of the day, it's all about me. It's all about me being able to say to you, look at me. See what I've become. See what I've worked for. See how I've denied myself. See how I've worked. See how I've shaped myself. Please applaud me. Please tell me how good I am. You know, I think about all the music stars in Nashville and how, how so many of them, they fly high for a while. They've got this number one hit, this number one hit, this number one hit. And if I were to call a few names from the 1970s or the 1980s, some of you in here wouldn't even know who they are. Right? Well, some of you might. That's right. It's possible. 
Let me say this. If the Lord tarries long enough, I've been at Victory Baptist Church since its beginning. This June will begin 22 years. Victory Baptist is the fourth new church start that God has allowed my wife and I to be a part of since 1981. But there's going to come a day when no one will remember that Chuck Groover ever walked this earth. And if your life and your commitment to walk to Christ, with Christ is all about you becoming, then what I want to tell you is your life may blow a feather by someone's life, but it will never leave an imprint. Becoming is all about me. But being is all about Him. Because here's what I know. As much as I can do all I can to make much about me, the only thing that's ever going to matter when I stand before the throne of God is that I allow Jesus to make much about him in my life. Right? Here's what I want to be. I want to be an armor bearer. I just want to simply carry the armor of Jesus. I, I'm not a warrior. At the end of the day, I need to understand this is not my battle. This is his battle. And the armor bearer is one that simply carries all the equipment that is necessary for the warrior. I want to give you an example of that. 1 Samuel chapter 14, we have a, an amazing example of an armor bearer. Chapter 14, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. This is Jonathan, the son of Saul. Listen to what he says. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans over there, the Philistines. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Listen to what Jonathan says. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Now here's the key. Here's what I want you to remember tonight. This is the answer of the armor bearer. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Let me ask you tonight. Are you the warrior 
wanting to tote the sword or the spear? Or are you the armor bearer saying, God, prepare me. Lord, whatever you decide, I'm with you. Lord, wherever you take me, I'm with you. I'm right here. Tell me how you want to use me. What do I need to hand you? How do I need to make my life available to you? Lord, what is it that you want to do in me? Lord, what is it that you want to do through me? Lord, what is it as a result of your grace that you are going to declare me to be? Lord, speak to me. Speak into my heart, into my life. And in so doing, his grace is applied and it directs that and you become the hands and the feet of Almighty God. Verse 10 says that we are the workmanship, the masterpiece of God. One great New Testament commentator put it this way, F.F. Bruce, we are the work of art, his work of art, his masterpiece. Salvation is creation, recreation, new creation in us. He's created us not to become, but to be what he has declared us to be as a result of his grace. We are to be his creation, not to become our creation, but to be his creation. And to allow him to minister to us. With God's grace apportioned to your life, you are a new creation in, in Christ. A new creation that he can hold out before him. And like Job, he can say to the old evil one, Have you noticed? Have you taken a notice of my servant Job? Has God been able to say that about me? I pray he has. I pray he's been able to say that about you. Because being a disciple of Christ will always display the gift of God's grace in your life. It'll be on display for people to see. God's grace applied to your life is not without purpose. He has a purpose for you. He's calling you. Listen to this, and I close with this tonight. We want to be the mouthpiece of the church when the Lord has created you in Christ to be His hands and feet. Let me say that again. We want to be the mouthpiece of the church when the Lord has created us in Christ to be His hands and feet not becoming, but being his masterpiece created to extend his hands and his love to all those around us. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for ministering to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, forgive us when we want to become when in Christ we have already been declared to be, teach us how to be. 
what you have created us to be in Christ Jesus. For your honor and for your glory. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.